choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. It's one we are willing to postpone. And one we need to win. Here's a ground ball right side. Could do it. The What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Brian Lalima, Apollo Des here with you. Follow us on Twitter at blima790, at Apollo Des1, and of course at Apollo HOU. And Des, here we are. It's May, but the Astros have won another series. They take two out of three from the Oakland A's. They drop game one, but they turn around. Short memory, they win game two, eight to one, and then they win game three, eight to four. Another series victory. You can't ask for more from the Houston Astros right now. The first place AL West, Houston Astros, everything is right in the world. Nature is healing. Texas is back. The Astros put up 21 runs in Oakland, and I feel amazing. Some say I may be erect, but I, I don't know. I keep that on the timeline. Uh, the boys are vibing. They're hunting big waves, and we're just having good. We're having a good time. Speaking of um, uh, erect, uh, <laughs> would you would you say bricked up? Bricked up on a Thursday mm-hmm. night. Bricked up, baby. AOS. I mean, look, we're back to where we belong, and that's on top of the AOS. The sixty game sprint is a fugazi. It's a fugazi. It doesn't exist. It's it's it's, it's fairy dust. It's fairy dust. Look, the only thing that mattered last year was October, and we did what we do, and let's get to. The pennant championship. That's what we do. So <clears throat> now in a 162, we're just we're just vibing, baby. We're hunting big waves, and we're yeah. It's May. Who cares? We're you know we're here. We're in first place. It's ex- yeah. it's expected. Absolutely. Look, it's it's a hundred. It's a hundred percent expected at this point. Look, the the Oakland A's had the audacity to tweet one and a half games up after the first game when Oakland took game one. You know what I did? Big brain Des book. Bookmark that tweet. Astros win game two. It's a half game lead for Oakland. Astros win game three. They take the series. Now they're up half a game. Hey, little little <laughs> update. What's up? What's going on there, Oakland? I know I, I, I know it's the West Coast. We're vibing. We're a little, you know what I mean? But <laughs> hey, give me a little Look, update. When it, when it comes to the Oakland Athletics social media department. What the hell are they doing? It's May. Why are you trying to talk shit right now? I don't, I don't get it. Man, are you that like, are, are the Astros swimming in their dome that much that they got to start tweeting out trolling, trolling material this early in the season? Look, we, what are we doing? We have a running joke and I have a running bit on the timeline of firing interns that don't even exist. And oh, no, they, they do, exist. Don't you worry. On from the Apollo page when something comes out that I don't like, and I'm just like, at Apollo H O U, by the way. Yeah, follow it on Twitter. Uh, I, and I'll just do a running, a running bit where that intern's fired. Uh, the Oakland Athletics intern, social media manager, whoever who puts up one and a half games, game one of the series, where mathematically you can still lose and be down in the series. Yeah, gone. You're fired. See you later. What are you doing? I don't get it. 
Look, I don't Brian, we both play it. the game. We understand it. Bulletin board material is a real thing. It's 100% we, a real thing. We saw it last year we, with Oakland. We saw it last year. They were chirping. They were chirping before the ALDS. And we're like, why? Why give these guys more chip on the shoulder? And they kept doing They kept doing it. And they're still doing it this year. They don't get it. I, man, it's, um, man, it's, it's May. It's May. It's May. Save your, save. If you're going to try to troll the Astros or troll any team for that matter, and you're a social media guy or or woman, if you're a social media manager, whatever the, the role is, save your trolling. If that's the avenue you're going to take, save that shit for October. It's May. It's May. Oh my God. I, I, I man, I saw that and I was like, man, you've got to be kidding me. You, you have really, really got to be kidding me. However, the Astros improved the 26 and 18 on the season. They regained first place in the AL, AL West. Look, they hit a slide earlier in the season. They lost six in a row. They had some guys out due to health and safety protocols. They get guys back. Jose Altuve has a little bit of a delay. But since Altuve has come back, the Astros have been clicking. I mean, they've been, they've been grinding on all cylinders. They've, been, they've just been dominant. They've been winning every series. Do they drop a game here and there? Of course they do. They sweep the Rangers. They take two out of three from, from Oakland. Or they, yeah. That's what it was. It was uh, a sweep, then Oakland, then they go back to Arlington. Or they go to Arlington. Correct. They keep winning series. They keep winning, and they keep putting up runs. Yeah, runs and, and hits. Well, like, seven to eight series, you take that any day of the week, twice on Sunday for any team across the league. The only, obviously, the only series we dropped was the Yankee series, and even then, it was a, it was a fluky series. But, Brian, we talked about 21 runs in three games, but listen to this. 13 hits, 15 hits, 14 hits in a three-game series. I'm not good at math, but that's almost like 40 hits, I believe. Like, uh, like 42 hits, I believe, is the math. Maybe 40, I don't know. It's over 40 hits in a three-game series. That'll fucking do. Like, yeah. In a yeah. three-game set, and you have, you've knocked out 40 hits as a team? Like, what? Yeah. This, this and, and honestly, as a fan, as a perspective as a fan, this team hasn't clicked yet. There's not been a moment where like, yeah, this is this is the team. Like, it's it's honestly been like a B minus B type level play across the board. Like, we haven't seen the Astros at their best yet, and that's a really scary thing for the league, and a really great thing for us as fans. Yeah, and, and you don't, obviously you want to put together a good first half of the season, but you definitely don't want to be that team that's going to peak in the first half and then you just have an absolutely shitty second half. But with this Astros lineup offensively, I, I just looked down at game three. 14 hits, eight runs. You look down just, the, just your basic stats. Altuve, two hits. Brantley, one for five. Bregman, three hits. Jordan, Yuli. Kyle Tucker and Miles Straw each had a had a hit apiece. Then you look at Martin Maldonado. Martin Maldonado has struggled, to say the least, this, this season. Yep. In game three, he was two for four, two runs, three RBIs. Then you look up to Carlos Correa, two for five. And then, obviously, I've already talked about Jose Altuve. 
when you have Martin Maldonado knocking in three guys, you know that things are going well with your offense. For sure. I mean, but it goes back to the Astros haven't clicked on all cylinders yet. That's what I was trying to say earlier. They've they've played well collectively and they've won series, but we still haven't seen the best of the Astros yet. And that is a scary thing. That's a scary thing. I mean, look what they're doing to the AL West, let alone the other teams that they face. Obviously, the series that we saw was against the Yankees. Kind of a fluke thing. Went into a hostile environment. Whatever you want to call it, they didn't play well. Okay, so what? Scratch it. Don't worry about it. Now, you come into your division games, and they're just smacking people around. They smacked the Angels. They sweep the, the Arlington Rangers. And then they just smacked Oakland. I mean, it's at the end of the day, we thought it was going to be an Oakland-Houston battle for the AL West. And I, it's still going to be that at the very end, because Oakland's a very pesky team. And... The further we get down the line, it's going to that kind of margin is smaller. And so do I think the Astros are going to win the West? Yes. Do I think it's going to be a close battle throughout the whistle? Absolutely. Oakland's not going away. Uh, But this week, Mike Trout is out for two months. The by the time he comes back, the Angels are going to be dead in the water. Yes. Shohei Itani is one of the best talents in the league, in the history of baseball. Dude's hitting said, fucking bombs. He has 10, 10, 12 bombs, whatever it is. He throws 100 miles an hour. He's he's a specimen. He is what Babe Ruth thought. Yes. He's a generational talent. 100%. And you he can respect what that all everyone day. thought Babe Ruth was, but it's happening today. And people right. need to respect that and pump that up and promote that. Absolutely. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Angels as a whole are going to be dead in the water in two months when Mike Trout comes back. Rangers getting no hit Seattle getting no hit we had two AOS teams get no hit this week they just straight up no hitters like and yeah. it's happening over and over again and it may be the dead ball yes Rob Manfred I'm looking right at you right now this is your fault this is what you wanted the dead ball era but it's also taken away from a no hitter yes I understand it a no hitter is amazing it is a truly special thing but it's happening every other day the fans are going to be like okay just another no hitter and it's happening against these AOS teams so yes it's Oakland versus Houston down the stretch and look Jordan Alvarez batting 338 Yuli Gurriel batting 333 Jose Altuve batting 314 Alex Bregman batting 324 Michael Brantley batting 307 when you have the, those guys in the lineup it's crazy and we didn't even mention Carlos Correa or Kyle Tucker who has 10 home runs and 28 RBIs and Carlos Correa actually hitting the ball really fucking hard just right at people right now so this lineup is built for success and it's built for october and it's scary how good this lineup could be when maldi turns it up a bit miles straw runs into two to three hits uh i mean i don't know i just still think we're the team to beat yeah and and on the note of the no hitters the record for no hitters in a season is seven we have seen six. Oh my gosh. And it's only May. And it's May. We, it's May. We've seen six no hitters just this past week. Turnbull. Is it Turnbull or Turnball? Turnbull. Turnbull. Turnbull yeah. Throws a no hitter. The next night, Corey Kluber for the Yankees throws a no hitter. Back in Arlington. His in Arlington. Team. 
on his on, bobblehead night. On, on bobblehead night. When was the to, last time a team did a bobblehead for an opposing pitcher? An opposing pitcher? I mean, what the hell? Like, have some self-respect. They, like, they act like, I, I don't get that at all. They act like Corey Kluber, like, played for the Rangers for, for 15 Correct. years. And was just dominant, dominant, dominant. Won Cy Youngs, won World Series. He goes to a different team to end his career, and then he comes back and they do a tribute bobblehead night. That that's understanding. But what the hell are you doing, Arlington? Why are you doing that? I, I don't I don't understand it. Look, if Cleveland did it, hundred percent get it. Want to say you get that a lot of years there. You get that. He was a mercenary, an arm that you signed that, and then you let go. <laughs> I mean, the, the Arlington Rangers are going to Arlington Rangers. That's that's it. But you look at the no hitters this year. I mean, two two no hitters and two nights is is ridiculous. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's really unbelievable. It's almost uh, it's almost like hitting for the cycle is going to be more rare than a no hitter. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah, I, as we as we move on, continuing to move through the season, we're going to see the, there, there's probably going to be three more, four more no hitters thrown this year, and, oh. and you you may see. Two cycles hit. It's crazy. It's crazy that this is happening. And it could be, it could very well be the dead ball. It could be. Yeah, I, I just don't understand. Like, I, I get it. The, the juice ball era was um, a great time. It was the best of times, and now it's the worst of times. It was a, a, a time of of partiness and now a time of discomfortness. Like I understand where we are today with it, but what puts asses in the seats, it's fucking bombs. It's home runs. It's doubles off the wall. It's scores that are 15 to 12 and not back to back. No hitters. Like that's just me as a fan. And I understand the no hitter. I understand the art of it. I understand the, the like, what a pitcher puts in and a catcher puts in and a pitching coach and staff puts in to perfect that. And I, I, as a fan of the game, I understand that, but if it's happening at such a regular clip, when does it become it, just a everyday occurrence? It takes, it takes away from the, the majestic uh, of it. The, the, yeah. The, this, I was going to say, I was going to try to think of a word like that. The special meaning behind a no hitter. Uh, because if it's happening so frequent, it's like ah, here we go again, another no hitter. I mean, don't 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 get me wrong, you can't take away from that because a no hitter is special in its own right. But if it's happening, I mean, Ryan Turnbull, who the hell's Ryan Turnbull? Yeah. Dude's throwing no hitter. Corey Kluber, okay, makes sense. Corey Kluber, when he's healthy, he's pretty damn good. He's yeah. pretty salty. But when is he healthy? Right, exactly. That's that's another that's another conversation. It's <laughs> when is when is he is he healthy? But yeah, I. It's it's crazy that this is happening, and and to just talk pitching a little more. How about Zach Grinky in Game Two against the Oakland Athletics? The dude turned it up and hit ninety. No, he goes ninety. He was hitting ninety three. Yeah, he he goes eight innings, one run, eight Ks, no walks. The best thing I love about Zach Grinky is he doesn't walk guys. Doesn't walk guys. You and I both know, and we've talked about this before on on different Beyond the Diamond podcasts. Do you know, for, for the people listening, leadoff walks score 60% of the time. 60% Le- of the time, every time. Every time. Leadoff walks kill momentum. They kill innings, and they hurt you 
so much more than people realize. Zach Grinke doesn't walk people. He does not walk hitters. He may get hit. He may give up a couple bombs, but he damn sure isn't going to walk guys. And in game two against Oakland, which they won eight to one, we saw Zach Grinke hump it up to 93. And he, and he, he was just phenomenal. Correct. Just absolutely phenomenal. That's the Zach Grinke that you want. He improves his record to four and one on the season. Look, he's an enigma wrapped in a mystery, and and that is Zach Grinke through and through. And from the post game quotes from your boy Chandler Rome, Zach Grinke goes, "I was trying to throw a little harder today, but then ended up being a lot harder." Yeah, Zach, you're throwing ninety fucking three today. We haven't seen that since your days in Dodger Blue. So, yeah. like, uh. I, I'm great. Yeah, he still has the juice. Like that's that's amazing. But still, at the end of the day, it was eight innings, no walks, eight Ks, and even then, the score kind of uh, takes away from the game because I believe it was three to one, and there was a uh, Bregman was in the in the backhand down the line, fields it, throws a throws it across the diamond, and short hop Yuli, and Yuli picked it, and it was yeah. a two outs, but the runner was going second to home. He was in the score. If that ball rolls up his arm or hits off his glove and bounces away, it's a 3-2 ball game. That guy's now at second base, and now the momentum shifts and changes. Yeah, right? so, so yeah, so you're thinking, so it was 2-1 to one, Yeah, two uh, to one. all the way up until the seventh inning when the Astros put up three runs. Correct. So at, at that moment, Bregman made that backhand play, threw it across the time, short hop. If Yuli doesn't make that pick and that ball rolls up his arm or, or bounces away, it's a tied game, one. To the winning, the go-ahead run is now in scoring position, and now the momentum changes. Grinky's probably out of the game, and the bullpen's in, and so Yuli makes the pick, and then the next thing you know, the offense just tacks in runs right yep. there. And and yeah, it was eight to one final, but that moment was that shift, and we talked about it time and time again on these podcasts. Momentum in the game is a real thing, and I've done it. I've been guilty of it plenty of times. At third base, where I I filled it, I got to get rid of it. Guys moving down the line, I think I have time, but when I look up, I peek up. Oh shit, I got to get rid of this. I I let go, and it's a short hop. And my first baseman, who's there for that reason, picks me up and picks me out of the dirt. Hey, get the guy a little butt tap. Hey, I'll get you a little steak dinner. Bada right. bing, bada boom. In college, it was like, hey, let me get you a little a little McDonald's, a uh, little six piece nugs. But you know, up on the Maybe. show, you're gonna get him a little steak ribeye. Six uh six six pack of uh chicken nuggets and a six pack of uh Miller High Life, the champagne of yeah. beer, baby. Thanks for picking me up. Yeah. But when you look at that game and we talk about momentum, that game was two to one up until the top of the seventh. So you're talking about the bottom of the sixth. So in right. that moment, it's a one run game, and you get a bang bang play like that. That is that's proof of it right there. Yuli Guriel makes that pick. People probably think ah Yuli's doing what he's supposed to do. But, you know, for people like us that, that know the game a little bit more, look what happened the very next inning. The top of the seventh, the offense gets going, like you said. They drop a three spot in the seventh. That takes all the momentum away from the, from the Oakland Athletics. The pitching staff comes back out. Grinky goes back, throws up a zero. Top of the eighth, boom, three more runs for the offense. There's your eight runs. The little things matter so much in the game of baseball. So much. Don't 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 tell me that momentum is not real in the game of baseball or in any sport, but more so in the game of baseball. Yeah, that momentum is huge. Who knows what happens? Like you said, who knows? Who knows what happens if the ball kicks from Yuli? Obviously, the run. Obviously, they they tie it to make it two to two. 
But then it, do, does Zach Grinke go out for another inning? Do they go to the bullpen early? Yep. That taxes your bullpen. That could set up, you know, that could set up something further down. Obviously that game, but that sets up something trickier in game three of the of the series because then certain guys might be unavailable. Just that one little play, Des, that one little play, the, the momentum shift was so big in the bottom of the sixth and the Astros were able to, to keep the momentum on their side. Zach Grinke goes out, throws up a zero, boom, there are the other runs. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, um, Bregs got bailed out by Yuli, and that's what you expect from your first baseman. So I think the, the best thing about this team right now is they haven't been clicking in, in the sense of we've seen a complete Astros team in, in 2021, which is scary because they are leading the West. They're, I think them and the White Sox are the team to beat in the AL right now. Um, and we haven't seen an A A plus game yet. And I think the more this team gets confidence on the road with all this booing and all this bullshit that's happening in the stands, they're feeding off it. They're vibing. They're hunting big waves. We talk about it all the time. They band together. And it's it's truly special. And and there's not I, I say this tongue in cheek where they don't have a lot of holes in the lineup. We know that we know the Miles Straw, we know Machete down in the bottom half, but everyone else is a perennial all-star and or a future MVP. And that's what makes this lineup so scary because it it's relentless. Yeah, when you get down to Straw and uh Maladano, it it's a different story. But even now, I think Straw's batting close to four hundred over the last you know, week and a yeah, half, he's... two weeks. Uh, Maladano, since getting knocked out by Odor, has been actually hitting the ball quite well. And so when those two are clicking and, and turning it on a bit, now it's a complete lineup because you got to pitch to Jordan Alvarez. You got to pitch to Yuli Gurriel. You got to pitch to Carlos Gray. You got to pitch to Jose. You got to pitch to Alex Brantley and Kyle Tucker. Like, where where do you pick and choose outs when, when you're an opposing team when I'm the Oakland Athletics and I'm looking at this three-game set, yeah, we stole game one. The Astros, they went on cruise control way too early. Us as fans know that. But when I'm looking at the scouting report, when I'm looking at the data and all this video work, it's it's got to be exhausting because when you play this team, it's, it's relentless and nonstop. So even on the bad day, the Astros are – putting putting a force on an opposing team to be at 100% mental and physical on the field. And I think that pays dividends down the road, especially in 162. In a 60-game sprint, you can get away with it. But in 162, that's kind of like compound interest. Like you, You're sitting right. there like, fuck, I got to go through this every single day. We got a three-game set with these guys? Are you kidding me? That's a lot of data I got to take in for each individual batter. So... I think we're seeing that slowly happen. I think when we get through the dog days of summer, we're going to see the Astros do what they do. And that's, hey, get in the deep end with me. Let's go. Let's come out here. Come out here. And then they drown teams because they've been there before. They know that deep water. That's what they're built for. They're built for a, a, a 162 season. And even with Springer gone, even with A.J. Hinch gone, even with Jeff Lunau gone, we're seeing this team do what they do and, and and kudos to Jeff and kudos to AJ because they laid that foundation for that this team knows what they got to do to win in 162 and in October yeah and speaking of going into the dog days of summer 
uh, right now, speaking of it, if it being hot, there's not a hotter hitter in, uh, on the planet right now than Jose Altuve. He's got a 14-game hitting streak. So you, you obviously, you know, hitting comes and goes. So ride Jose Altuve right now. But then who's going to be the next guy up for the Astros, meaning who's going who's gonna to catch fire? If you look down the lineup, you've got guys in Altuve, Brantley, Jordan Alvarez, and Yuli Gurriel. Oh, and Alex Bregman. You already said their averages earlier. All hitting over 300. Going into the summer, if those guys continue to hit like they are now, my goodness. Yeah. I, I mean, it, then it comes back to what I said on probably the first episode of Beyond the Diamond podcast. The biggest question mark is going to be the pitching staff. And you got guys like Tyler Ivey. I mean, we'll, we'll hit on that in segment three as he makes his major league debut against the Arlington Rangers. Tyler Ivey is itching for a start. Luis Garcia has thrown quality innings this season. Uh, Paredes is back. You've got um, Christian Javier has thrown quality innings. Zach Grinke is doing Zach Grinke things. Lance McCullers was dominant his last outing. So, I mean, at, at what point do we see a complete Astros team? If that's in the dog days of summer and then it leads into September and then leads into October... They're setting up, they're setting themselves up for a deep playoff run this season. And I know it's May. Look, Look, I know it's May. Yeah. I know it's May. I know it's early. We might, we might overanalyze a little too early. But my goodness, you already said it. Altuve, 314. Brantley, 307. Bregman, 324. Alvarez, 338. Yuli Gurriel, it should be leading, one of the leading candidates for MVP. Yeah. MVP, like we say on our shirts at Apollo HOU. Yuli Gurriel is hitting 333. His, his on-base percentage is 402. The only other person that has a higher OBP is Alex Bregman at 404. This, this lineup, man. It's relentless. I mean, I, and it is. And even then, you're saying Bregman and Carlos Correa are underperforming to their standards. Imagine this lineup right now with... with Brantley doing what he does, Jordan what he's doing, Yuli what he's doing on an MVP level, Altuve what he's doing on MVP level, and then you add a hot Alex Bregman and a hot Carlos Correa, and a a, a Kyle Tucker who's lying to every single glove in the league up to this point. Like, where are the outs? When, like, Brian, where are the outs? I'm yeah, looking at where- this lineup. Like, we know we know Straw and, and Maladonna are, are, are going to be all outs majority of the time. But when I'm looking at one through seven, like it's tough. It's really right. tough. Yeah, you you look at you look at the core lineup for the Astros, and they're the guys that we just talked about. If you can get from Martin Maldonado right now is hitting 157. Okay, we it's it's been noted he struggles at the plate right now, has struggled so far. If between him and Jason Castro, if you can get a solid 230 to 240 from those guys going into the summer and into the later later half of the season. And you can get, I don't know, 230, 240 from Miles Straw. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker struggled to start the season. I think he was hitting like 140 at one point. He's gotten his average up to 226. His slugging is at 471. And he's destroying baseballs. And they're just getting, they're just, they, they, like you said, they find they find gloves. Those are the guys, and obviously Carlos Correa 
hitting 268 this year, underperforming. Uh, you know, he's staying healthy. That's that's the thing that I give a shit about. Yeah. He's healthy, 100. percent So you look down the core, the core guys, and then you look at Kyle Kyle Tucker, Miles Straw, Martin Maldonado, and then throw Jason Castro in there because he's going to get some at bats when he's behind the plate. Obviously, those are the three guys that I that that the Astros need to to turn it on a little bit more as we. I mean, we're right right around the corner. We're what's what's today? So we're recording this on. It's already May twentieth. That's wild. Bananas. Yeah, June. Look, the All Star break's right around the corner, bro. It's going to be your summer coming up. It's it's coming. It's coming. So what if you, you where are the outs, where are the outs? Those are the outs. It's Kyle Tucker, Miles Straw, Martin Maldonado. So those and guys. Even then, Kyle's been swinging right. the hell out of the bat. Right. Last two weeks. Yeah, that's that's going to be. Those are the question marks. Those are the question marks right there. Kyle Tucker, Miles Straw, Martin Maldonado. If there's any kind of negative negative point in this lineup, it's those three. But with the way that Kyle Tucker's swinging it, Miles Straw has had really good at bats the last couple of weeks, last week and a half. Uh, and then Martin, Martin Maldonado, it's, he's a catcher man. He's in there to play defense. He's got a hose behind the plate. It is what it is from him. But you, you, should, you can at least get 200 from him. That's what I strive. Me as a fan, I would love to see Martin Maldonado to at least hit 200. We're not there yet, but who knows? But I mean, that's... that's it's it's a it's a man ah just this lineup just the core guys are so hitting playing so well right now and the pitching staff has has done pretty well the bullpen little shaky Ryan Stanek man Ryan Stanek struggling as of late he he's he's struggling to find the zone yeah uh our guy Stanek I mean obviously we've touted him up since spring training uh last three to four outings haven't been great they've been manageable he's got in and out of uh of trouble other than one time um it's just i don't know and i and i brought this up on the timeline the uh even though today was a day game but that that marine layer i think the balls were a little slick for the guys and we saw that that first game of the series because we saw the bullpen come in and blow that lead and they had i think they had five walks and four innings and you i mean if your bullpen's giving up five walks the game's over so, but the, it almost seemed like every every guy that came in was looking at the ball, trying to find that grip. And obviously, where everyone in the league has some tar, or something in your glove, on your on your arm, or on, on your That's under your a, belt, right? Everybody's got. Everyone's, it. everyone's doing got that. It. Yeah. And so it it looked like your guys were fighting it a bit, and every every ball slick. And, and and we both played in cold weather, and once that ball gets slick, and, and obviously we weren't pitchers, but when you when you filled it, that ball just kind of feels weird it, it, it you feel the seams they feel higher it it, it just doesn't feel like it's a real not baseball. A, it's it's not a good feeling and when you're throwing 97 to 98 miles an hour and you have no control it's just not a good recipe so i'm gonna chalk it up as kind of just the marine marine layer setting in with these guys um obviously the sample size was only on monday because we saw grinky go eight on on game two and then today luis garcia looked phenomenal and uh turning it over to the pin but it just seemed like the ball was slick with the guys and I'm not going to, I'm concerned a bit, but I'm not worried yet. Yeah. And, and when you talk about uh concern, I, I will have to admit that uh, a couple weeks ago, I did say here uh, on the podcast that I was a little concerned with Zach Grinky. man. I'm just, just, you know what, Brian, it's may just shut, the, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but that's also, that's just Zach Grinky, right? That's Zach Grinky being Zach Grinky. Like, what did you say? He's he's a what? What did you say earlier? He's an he's enigma a, wrapped in a, a mystery, uh, mystery or something. Whatever. I I something. It was really, it was a really good line. I couldn't, I yeah. couldn't remember it we'll, we'll go back and, and review the tape, but, but it's, it's true. It's, that's a, a very good way to put 
uh, Zach Grinke. And I lo- we love him for it, though. So um, if you look, let's see. So looking at the, as we wrap up segment one uh, here on Beyond the Diamond podcast, Brian Lalima, Apollo Dez here with you. Um, Framber Valdez is really close to returning. Uh, Blake Taylor is getting ready to head out on a rehab assignment in the next couple of days. Jose Urquidy threw off the mound in Oakland, uh, and he's expected to go on a minor league rehab assignment soon as well. Tyler Ivey is making his de- his uh, MLB debut against the Arlington Rangers on Friday. Um, man, so... Uh, Jake Odorizzi. I, I was going to say Joe. Big, Jake, big fan of him. Jake Odorizzi. Uh, you are not a big fan of Jake Odorizzi. Don't lie to the people. Like, uh, but uh, look, fan. I'm not giving up on him yet. I'm not giving up on him yet. Big Jake Odo guy. Um. And then obviously I said earlier, Paredes is back. Uh, Ryan Presley is seven of seven, I believe. I think he, yeah, seven of seven on saves this season. He's spinning the pearl nice for the Astros. Uh, the Astros, at the end of the day, look, the Astros are playing good baseball. They continue to win series. Um, they just took down Oakland two out of three. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a it's a good thing to see, to see them play good baseball because they went through that little bit of a rough stretch um, where... You know, we saw him lose. And uh, even to then, Colorado it was and it was COVID. We had we right, had we right. had our taxi squad and AAA team up. Yeah, the Skeeters were playing at the big league level, so it's good. It's it's um, they're playing good baseball. And it, but look, they're, they they haven't fully clicked yet. Correct. It's a scary. It's a scary. That's thought. a good very league. scary thing. The league. Yeah. We're look the bad boys of podcasting. And segment one are putting the league on notice because this this series, excuse me, this month coming up, and I don't know if you've checked it out, Brian, yet. It is a big month. From May, today's May 20th to June 20th, we have the Rangers coming up, walk in the park, with Dodgers at home, San Diego at home, Boston at home. Mm-hmm. Then we go to the Blue Jays. To Boston, to the Twins, back home Rangers, White Sox for four. That's a pretty daunting month. Yeah, from May twentieth to June twentieth. That's a that's a gauntlet of teams to face. Look, um, five hundred shows are going to be tested. Five hundred ball or a little above five hundred ball. I am extremely happy. Yeah, for the next month. Yeah, the man, and we can hit on this a little bit in segment three, but the uh, the next home stand for the Astros is going to be. Uh, it's going to be wild. A zoo. Uh, Minute Maid Park is going back to max capacity. Capacity uh, starting on that Tuesday against the Dodgers. Obviously, we know it doesn't matter if it was fifty percent or one hundred percent capacity. That place is going to be jumping. Correct. We will both be there uh, because it's going to be a heated two game set against the Dodgers. You got Joe Kelly running his fucking mouth again already. Um, how? What a you know? Like, come on, bro. Just shut the fuck up. Just come on. Like, just shut up. Bro, you played for the Red Sox. You cheated your ass off. Stop trying to play the villain, dude. And I, you're not good. He's not. I, I, I simply, I, I quote tweeted the uh, statement that Joe Kelly said. He goes, he goes, Joe Kelly said he's looking forward to returning to Houston next week with fans in the stands. He said if a fan throws a beer at him, he's going to throw it back. Okay. Hardo, yeah. One, yeah. two. Who's who's spending fourteen dollars on a beer at Minute Maid Park and throwing it at you? 
dumbass. Yeah, you're three. Just shut the look fuck up, Joe Kelly. We all saw the video. You couldn't even throw a weighted ball or a regular baseball changeup grip, whatever, to a net, and you broke a window. I'm not worried about you throwing a beer back at me. I'm probably worried yeah. about the child fucking seven seven fucking rows next to me yeah. that may get hit when you throw a beer back at me. Dude, he's that guy. Look at me. Look yeah. at me. I'm Joe Kelly. Look, he's Joe Kelly is that guy that runs his mouth, chirps and talks shit to you. And then when you step to him, he's the guy that automatically backs down. He's the frat we saw guy. That with Carlos Correa. Dude, he's the frat guy at a party. If you as soon as you threaten him or you're about to beat his ass, he calls his daddy. My dad's a lawyer. Da- My dad's a My lawyer. Dad's My, a I lawyer. got dad. I've got daddy money. Yeah, that's Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly. Just shut up, dude. Just Jesus Christ, man. This whole this whole shtick that he has, you know, it's it's it just shut the fuck up, dude. (laughs) If you don't have the facts, shut the fuck up. And you know who's going to who has a great pulse on where the Astros are and where we're going to be, Ryan? Uh, Who's that? Uh, Mr. Brian McTaggart. Brian McTaggart is going to join us in segment two from MLB.com. He's on the beat. He's been covering the Astros for forever. Proud University of Houston alumni. Brian! McTaggart. Brian McTaggart joins us on Beyond the Diamond podcast. Segment two is right around the corner. Man, can't wait to interview Tags. Can't wait to ask him about Cry Kid Summer. Yeah, I mean... He's he's just having a good time on the timeline. He had his Cougs go to the Final Four. He's got Cry Kid Summer. Uh, he's just feeling himself, and I love and it. He, look, he's got the flow. He's got long hair. He's got it growing out, full full on flowing. That's just, that's in segment two. Just guys being dudes. Right around the corner. That's going to do it for segment one. Again, like I just said, segment two, Brian McTaggart from MLB.com joins Apollo Dez and myself. Don't go anywhere. More Beyond the Diamond podcast is next here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to segment two of Beyond the Diamond podcast. Brian Lalima, Apollo Des. Follow us on Twitter at BLima790, at Apollo Des1, and of course at Apollo HOU. And now we are joined with MLB.com writer Brian McTaggart. Proud University of Houston Cougar alum covering the Astros year in and year out here in the city of Houston. Brian, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate your time. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Man, I, look, I, I saw it on the uh, Astros broadcast the other night. You and Chandler Rome were still at the stadium doing, uh, doing your stuff on the laptop, typing up your articles and things like that. And they made a comment about the hair. I got to ask, you just growing it out because of COVID or you just growing the flow while you still have it? Well, it, it, I don't think it's really related to COVID. I think it was the end of the 2019 season. Um, I was just sort of, I used, I used to get a haircut every three weeks. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to let it grow out a little bit and then grow out a little more and a little more. And then next thing I knew, I was three or four months in and, you know, it's starting to get long. And then COVID hit 
And then I, I turned 50 last year, and I'm like, you know what? Most guys my age don't have hair, so I'm, I'm going to let this right. thing fly. So it's been flying ever since. I don't – I don't. Hey, look, I don't blame you. I, I hope and pray that when I reach 40, I have a full head of hair like you do. Do you – you got to catch a lot of flack for it, right? I, I see, I see on uh, Twitter, Matt Thomas likes to give you a hard time. Kevin Essenfelder on uh, on the broadcast likes to give you a little bit of a hard oh, jealousy, time. Jealousy, no, Matt. Matt doesn't it. have any hair, so yeah, I saw Matt at the Final Four in Indianapolis, and that's the first thing he said to me. I'm like, really? Just the hair right off the bat? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's been fun. I mean, I, I will say this: like, I didn't realize having so much hair took so much time because I used to just wash my hair in like a minute and then not worry about it for days. You know, now. <laughs> It's like I got to brush it, and then midway through the day, I got it's, I got to do something else with it. It is, it is a lot more work, so um, you know we'll see how much longer it lasts. But uh, yeah, it's it's been fun, and my my kids like it, and my wife likes it, so that, that's the most important. Your, da- thing. your daughters enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, they think it's cool. Yeah. They they think you know dad's got long hair, and that's that's fun. And my brother came to visit me um this weekend i hadn't seen him in two years and he couldn't believe it he says i look 10 years younger so i get all these comments i'm like i'm gonna keep growing it hey keep keep rocking the flow i was just gonna say hey lance Lance is doing it tags shoot i may do it i don't even know we just we may just get it going uh brian thanks again for coming on but uh i had a question just because you started in 04 covering the astros obviously you you had the history with the chronicle before that as well covering other sports but your first year is the beltran year the next year is the World Series year. And then obviously through the lean years and then now through this great half decade, we've sustained as a fan base and as the Astros. Like, can you kind of just walk us through that? I mean, you're on the you're on the beat. It's it's 04 Beltran's hitting every single home run out in the playoffs. Uh, the next year's the World Series and then obviously the lean years. But kind of can you walk us through that journey of how we are here today? Yeah, I remember the first my first day on the beat, I think it was in spring training of all four. And I walked in and I walk in the clubhouse in Kissimmee, which is not that big. And there's Bagwell, Biggio, Pettit, Clemens, Jeff Kent, Lance Berkman, um, Roy Oswald, Billy Wagner. And I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing here? And, uh, <laughs> um, and it, you know, I was, I was like, wow, I was just starstruck. They had so many big name players. And I, yeah. And Beltron came later that year. And then that was so much fun. Um, yeah, off the bat, just a fun couple of years like that. And in both those years, you know, they in 2004, they were at the All-Star break. They were 500 and they were kind of left for dead. And they fired Jimmy Williams and Garner came in and got them turned around. And then the next year, of course, they started 15 and 30 with Clemens and Pettit and Oswalt. And everyone thought they were going to the World Series. And here they were in, in late May and, and they were doing terrible. And, and then from June 1st on, they were the best team in baseball and went all the way to the World Series up. Uh, you know, a lot of fun the next few years, you know, they tried to contend Drayton tried to keep the team together and contend. And then, you know, they bring in Carlos Lee and, um, but you know, they just didn't have the farm system. And then finally when they sold to crane, I mean, he did what they had, what he had to do, I think, and strip the whole thing down. And I think back on some of those teams in 11, 12 and 13, and man, those were some, those were some rough times, but you know, what, what was fun about covering those teams is that most of those guys on those teams were so happy to be in the big leagues. Um, the guys like Justin Maxwell and Brandon Barnes and um, guys like that. And, you know, they had grinded all their lives to get to where they're at and they get, you know, they got a shot and, you know, a guy like Lucas Harrell who doesn't get a shot anywhere else, but with Houston and, and does pretty well. So it was fun covering those guys as well, but yeah, it's nice in the last few years to cover, you know, some of the best players in the world on one team and doing it at a very high level. So, so let me ask you, Brian. So when you go through those tough years, us as fans, I, I can remember, 
uh, back in 20, uh, summer of 2011, I wanna, went on a date to Minute Maid Park. I bought $5 tickets and sat second row. It was, on from my end, it was really bad baseball. Um, but back then, I didn't realize what the Astros were doing. When you were covering them through those years, and you kind of had you kind of had an idea of what Jim Crane was trying to accomplish, did you ever think that fast forward four or five years that the Astros would be doing as well as they are right now? I mean, uh, a cumulative. You look at 2015; they made that pretty good run, and they should have beat the Royals in the ALDS. A couple things happened at the home game, and it didn't work out. 16 was kind of a down year. 17, obviously, World Series, 18 ALCS, 19 World Series. Obviously, the COVID year, they still make it back to the ALCS, and they're doing well as of late. Did you ever think when you were covering those really bad teams that they would become kind of a, a staple in the, in the AL division? No, I didn't know. I mean, I thought they would get good. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know how good. I mean, you have three number one picks, and you, you trade away so many guys and get so many prospects in return. Some of these guys are going to hit, and sure enough, they did. And you know, they they only got one of the three number one picks right. You know, they, I mean, I mean, I guess you could throw Bregman in there for uh, for the Brady Aiken pick, but um, you know, when when you strip it down as much as they do and get rid of everybody who was making money and and get two or three prospects in return and have all these high draft picks, um, you and you lose a hundred games three years in a row, you you better win down the road. And so they were they were taking a real gamble, but they took it to the extreme. And of course. We've seen other teams doing that now. The Cubs have done it, and other teams are trying to do it as well. Um, but, uh, you know, to do it as well as the Astros have done, I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to do that. And to have this kind of sustained success, I think, is a little surprising. I mean, we're five, six years in, and they're still probably the team to beat in the American League West, I think, and they're, they're trying to go to the ALCS for the fifth year in a row. Um, so their window is very much still wide open. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that, that uh, Luno and Crane wanted to do was, was build a winner and, and sustain it. And re- how you do that is having a very strong farm system and then being able to, uh, you know, add the payroll. And Crane has done that. And they're kind of at a, a little crossroads now where the farm system is not where it was a few years ago. Traded a lot of guys away. Guys are in the big leagues now. And they still have the high payroll. So they're, maybe the window's starting to close a little bit. But uh, I don't, I don't see any reason why this team can't, uh, you know, contend and, and try to win another World Series this year. Absolutely. I think one of my questions I was when I was thinking through this interview was the birth of analytics kind of happened during the your start of your beat into, you know, into the core of it all. How was that covering the Astros day to day? Because they were the forefront of it. Obviously, there's there's money ball, Billy Bean, but, you know, uh, Ben Reader said the Astros ball, but the birth of analytics when you're covering the Astros, did you see that change? You're like, Oh, okay. There's a seismic shift between um, the old regime and the new regime and how you're supposed to quantitate that data and, and teach and essentially teach the fan base that because they don't really know what's going on behind the scenes with the, the, all this new analytics and all this stuff that's going on. How was that for you? Because you're right there on the, on the ground floor seeing it all. How was that growth and how did you kind of, tell that story to all the writers, all the, excuse me, all the readers? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that, that was tough in that I, I, I'm not the biggest stat head about that stuff. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I grew up with the old school numbers and I appreciate a lot of the new school stuff, but I, I kind of have to be able to wrap my mind around it. Some of these stats, like, I, you know, about expectancies and ballpark adjusted, I, I just can't wrap my mind what that means or, or fathom 
you know, OPS, fine. I know what that means. Just, you know, on base yeah. plus slugging. So it's been hard for me to, you know, get on board with a lot of this stuff. But yeah, a couple of things stand out is, you know, when they hired Sig, Sig Dell away from the Cardinals and I interviewed him shortly after he got hired, 2011, 12. And some of the stuff he was telling me was so far over my head. And I was like, I mean, are we talking NASA or are we talking baseball here? But that's how smart these guys were and, yeah. and how advanced they were. And then I remember, I think it was 2013, in the scoreboard, instead of putting batting average, because all the batting averages were so poor, they put up OPS. And at the time, I, I couldn't have told you if a 600 OPS was good or an 800. It's just not a stat that was you know, that widely used. So right. I was sort of learning along with the fans. I'm looking at the board and all these OPSs and six, 700, 500. I'm like, okay, what's good here? What's not? Um, and then I remember, you know, when they started shifting and I remember Lucas Harrell in spring training being very upset and popping off to me on the record, off the record. And he was their best pitcher at the time about the shifts and how he didn't understand that he would look back there and there were three guys on one side of the infield. And then sure enough, the ball was hit to the left side. And I think that's kind of where they probably didn't do a great job was explaining to the players enough what they were doing, why they were doing it. I think they just hired these guys, uh, research and analytics. They went up to their offices in the, the nerd cave, as they call it, and they sent signals down to the clubhouse. We're doing it this way. And there was not much communication between them and the players. And the players, you know, didn't come up with this. They were just learning this. It's different now. The players come up with this through the minor leagues, launch angle. Everyone's taught that now. That wasn't the case 10, 11 years ago. So I think the Astros could have done a better job, I think, communicating with the players because, uh, yeah, in the clubhouse, there was a lot of head scratching what was going on. But I'm still writing and learning about this as we go along. I mean, the website Baseball Savant is uh, tremendous, and I dig into that as much as I can during games. And some of the information there is unbelievable, and a lot of it's way over my head. But uh, uh, there's some really cool stuff in there. And slowly but surely, I'm, I'm embracing this stuff more and more. It's, it's literally sometimes when I get on Savant, it's Latin. I'm like, I mean, yeah. what is what is going on here? And me, I, I, we, I, me and Brian both play college ball, and I've obviously kind of grew up in that analytics stuff. And I even then when I was playing, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. But I was just like, I'm just going to go with it. I'm, if you're going to throw numbers and letters in my math class, and you're going to do it on the baseball field as well. Like, I'm just going to roll with it because it's I, I got to pass the class anyway. I got to get on the baseball field. So it's, uh, it's crazy that you say that because I kind of, I, when I was playing from 11 to 15, it was kind of in that growth of it and when i grew up playing it wasn't around and then college it was there and i was just like oh, okay that's that's cool this looks like a foreign language but we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it i guess yeah I'm, I'm 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 32 years old and i've got the old soul in me i don't do all the analytic stuff i would rather uh focus on the x's of x's and o's in the game uh you know like late game in in game situations in the eighth inning if the astros need to get a bunt down drop down a bunt and get somebody over hit the ball to the right side, things like that. This uh, expected hard hit rate and launch angle and everything, Brian, that you kind of mentioned is all – I'm right there with you. I can't wrap my head around 80% of this crazy stuff that we see these days. And it's it's just yeah. taken, taken off so much. And the Astros have kind of been at the forefront for it. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of fans that, that don't like that. They, they want to come there, and I think, and that's one of the problems of the game today, I think, is – Fans want to come there and watch the game. They want action. They want the ball in play. They, they want the bunts and the, the hit and runs, which you don't see anymore. Um, and that it's just not there anymore. It's, it's, all, uh, it's all strikeouts and walks and homers. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's turning a lot of people off. And I, I think they have to find a way to get more balls put in play. And I know they're, they're trying to work on that. And, you know, there's some crazy rules out there in the minor leagues. They're trying to move in the mound back and so forth. You know, I don't know if that's going to do it or not. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people, you know, they want to come to the ballpark and just watch the game and not be inundated with math problems. I mean, that's not that's not why you go to the ballpark yeah. is to do more math. You just want to go yeah. there and watch the game and the ball and play. And uh, it can be frustrating. But, you know, things like catch probability, I mean – to me, did he catch it or not? That's all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank there, you. Exactly. Did he catch the damn ball or not? Oh, or he not. did? That's okay, it. good to go. That's all we need to yeah. know. It's funny you say that because Dusty kind of chirped for the first time a couple of weeks ago when he <laughs> it was talking about all that in the last inning. And obviously, you know, Dusty's old school, and, and now he's with this new this new team, obviously, after the post-scandal. And as a as a fan, I've always known Dusty Bay. He's always going to protect his guys, no matter what. He's in a, we've seen it the last two years. But I found it really funny last week when he started chirping about that stuff because I was like, "Oh wow, we, it took this long for him to finally say something about the you know the shift and everything like that." So, how's it been to cover Dusty Baker, just the consummate pro? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think he's, he used the word unorthodox defenses for yes. a shift, and he says he wasn't a fan of them. But yeah, he he's been great and. Uh, you know, I really haven't got to know him on a personal level because we were only together three weeks before spring training got shut down last year. So our only other communication since then has been by Zoom or a couple of times by telephone when I called him. So um, but my interactions with him over Zoom have been great. And I, and I can see why everybody loves him. I mean, he's he truly is a a, a walking history book. He knows everybody and everything. And uh Boy, I'd love for him to write a book one day. I would read that thing cover to cover. But he he really is a good man, and uh, you know, I, I he uh, I, I can see why people love playing for for him, and I, I can certainly see why the Astros hired him. To he was to come in and this uh, you know storm that they had going on, and be the guy that everybody in the national media and all over the country respected, and and be the the oh shucks grandfather, and I had nothing to do with that, and you know, let's all move on, and. Um, uh, I guess the players like playing for them. I mean, I haven't had a chance to go in the clubhouse a whole lot since since he's been the manager, but um, I have a lot of respect for him, and I I do enjoy talking to him every day and, and listening to his stories. And um, you know, this is probably his last shot at managing. And you know, I I think you know when his career is done, I'll you know I'm going to be fortunate to say I, I got to know him a little bit and and got to got to be around him. I I do remember on Zoom after UH beat Rutgers, he asked me if I was hungover. So that was uh, a dusty memory though. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Brian, when we, when we talk about post scandal, uh, post scandal life, so to speak, what, what's it been like for you? Obviously you've got a, a large following (laughs) on Twitter. You've been writing about sports and about the Astros for a long time. Um, What's it been like as a MLB.com writer, as a um, you've got the blue check on Twitter, you're verified. So everyone's going to see your stuff, right? What's it been like dealing with um, with the crazy people on Twitter? I mean, I'm just going to say it how it is. It's you've got for me, I have a love hate with Twitter. Twitter is an excellent place to um, grow your brand, to try to try to get your uh, if, if you're like an aspiring journal, journalist like myself. Twitter is an amazing place. But then it's also I hate it because you have so many idiots on there that just come at you for no reason. They make burner accounts. Um, they, they go personal on you. Anything you post about the Astros to another fan base, they automatically talk about a trash can and they talk about you being a cheater. 
What's it been like as a writer since the post since post scandal for uh, covering the Astros? Yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, a little frustrating. You know, when all this started, and any time I tweeted about the Astros, it came hard, cheater, trash can. And I, I think I went through Twitter and I tried to block all these words. I was just so tired of reading them on on my on my feeds. I was tired of reading them. And somehow they, you know, they keep getting through and anyone that does it, I mean, it's fine. They have their opinion. I just, I'm tired of seeing it. So I just mute them and I, I mute a lot of people, not out of spite. It's just, I'm just tired of seeing it. Yeah. But it's just, you cannot, it's like an ant bed. They, it just keeps coming and coming. And I'm sort of just numb to it now. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the Astros did cheat and they brought this yeah. on themselves. And uh, it's obviously that, you know, fan bases or, of other teams are, are not going to let this go away anytime soon. So I get it. And that's what Twitter's about. But um, I, know, I know some of the tweets I send out, like, you know, at, you know, last week Astros had like, what, three of the top four guys in the league in OPS. I knew when I hit sand where this was going. And sure enough, it did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I, at the end of the day, I just let Astros fans kind of, you know, jump in and they all start debating with the other people. And then I just move on to something else. So I, I try to stay <laughs> do, out of it. Do you think, uh, do you think this is a question that's kind of popped to my mind. Do you think the way that the national media covered the cheating scandal <laughs> and then there was this whole buzzer BS and some of the national media ran with that. Do you think that the national media kind of had it out for the Astros a little bit or, uh, because me personally, I, I felt like some of the national writers and national personalities took that story and they ran with it beyond what it needed. You know, they went from just covering the story to making it kind of, hey, let's just have it out for the Astros and let's turn a blind eye to other teams that might be in question, like the Ast or like the Yankees, like the Red Sox. There's even been rumors about pretty much half half the teams in the MLB. Do you think the national media? kind of had it out for them or or were they actually doing their jobs I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on that yeah I, I don't think they I don't think they did I know that's probably surprising and I, I know Astros fans do but I mean this was a huge story and if you're on the wrong side of a huge story it's going to feel like people are out to get you right that and it keeps getting written about over and over um, I, I do sense the frustration the fans feel in that they feel the Yankees and Dodgers were doing some wrong things as well. And they probably were. And that stuff has not come out. They haven't had a whistleblower like, like the Astros did in Mike Fires. And so, but I, I don't think the national media treated the Astros, you know, unfairly. Um, I, you know, Astros fans probably aren't going to agree with that. But, um, you know, I, I think it, it was a big story. And these guys sure. were assigned to do big stories and they chased it. And they're really good at what they do. And they, they, dug up everything they could until there was nothing to dug up. And that's just sort of the, the nature of journalism. I do think the buzzer thing was really dumb. I mean, that came about from some, what was it? Yeah. We don't, we don't, Reddit, we don't say, yeah. we don't, we don't, uh, we don't talk about that specific person. Yeah. But, so, I mean, that yeah. was, that it whole came thing from, was, essentially it came from Reddit. Yeah. There was a, a thing on Reddit and uh, a few people. Oh, Beltran's niece or whatever. Yeah. yeah. There was the burner account or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and some of them just absolutely ran with it. They even tried to say that, Josh Reddick with the confetti on his uh, on the Goku outfit that he wore during celebrations that that was a buzzer. So, yeah, that was dumb. And I also think, you know, the Astros apologized in mass at the beginning of spring training last year. And you still hear at, you know, Astros haven't apologized. I mean, I was yeah. in the clubhouse and talked to like 10 guys who apologized and a couple of them were very upset about, you know, what had happened. 
Um, sure. I think people just want to hear what they want to hear. And no matter what the Astros said, it wasn't going to be good enough. Um, but I think there was some really good reporting done. And I think, uh, you know, when, like I said, when you're on the wrong side of a story and people are reporting on it over and over, it's, it's not going to be fun. And you got to take your lumps. At the end of the day, they did cheat. And, you know, there is um, a cloud over their World Series title. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, own, yeah, it, think- own, it, own it and move on. Yeah, I think they lost yeah. the benefit of the doubt, right? And as as a fan base and as fans, we have to accept that because if it happened to any other team, we'd be acting the same. And so I know we're running close on time, but I had a question just on that before we jumped into the Cried Kids summer. But when did you start hearing it coming down the pipe? Obviously, you you have you cover the team. You're unbiased national journalist. When did when did you're like, oh, OK, this is, you know, obviously I have to cover it as well. So when did what was that timeline like? You don't have to get into the into the dirty details of all, but when was that kind of timeline? If you can jump into that a little bit. Well, when that story broke in November of 2019, shortly after the World Series, about the signs. I mean, I had no clue. I had no clue any signs stealing was going on. Uh, didn't hear anything. You know, like most of us, nobody knew. And so, um, I actually that day, uh, the day that story broke, I called AJ Hinch on the phone to talk about something else. And, and he brought it up. He said, did you see the story? And I mean, I had no idea at the time it was going to become, you know, what it became. But um, I'd say one of the most surreal days for me was the day that they, they fired Hinch and, and Luno and, and sitting in that, that uh, press conference room. And when Crane made that announcement, I could not believe it. I mean, I thought they would get suspended. I mean, two guys that just won a world series, built this dynasty and he fired both of them. I just, right. I just, could not believe that happened. And uh, just, you know, one of the most surreal days for me, for sure. Wow. Uh, keep it back on a lighthouse note. The Cry Kid obviously went super <laughs> viral on Astros Twitter. We, we sent you one of the shirts as well that we made. Yeah, I mean, I did you know when you, like, obviously you said earlier when you hit sin on about the OPS, like you knew it was going to cause a storm. Did you know when you hit that, you're like, yeah, we got this guy right No, here. no idea. <laughs> well, what happened was you know, Mike Trout leaned into a pitch and got hit in the elbow, which he absolutely did. Yeah. And I tweeted that out, and then I was getting killed by Angels fans. I'm like, okay. They obviously love Mike Trout. I love Mike Trout. Great player. But he leaned in. So, uh, And it kept going and going. And then finally some guy, um, he said it was, uh, you know, he, he like attacked me personally. He's like, I can't believe MLB hired you. And I was like, okay. I mean, I'm. I'm going to have to respond here. And so I kind of looked at his bio. He seemed like a younger guy, maybe late teens or whatever. So I was like, okay, I, I want to, I can't just say what I absolutely want to say. You right. know? Oh, yeah. So I kind of have to do it <laughs> diplomatically. And I was like, okay, just keep crying. I was like, well, he's just younger. I was, okay. Just cry kid. And I had, <laughs> I had no idea that certs uh, and people still tweet it every day. And uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's yeah, one it of the best, not. it's one yeah. of the best simple comebacks and just cry. And, the best thing you could just like take the screen grab and just send it to other fan bases that are like crying about whatever in the mentions. Um, my yeah, last changed. question, and I'll let Brian close yeah. after this, but who's been your favorite guy to cover over the last, you know, six, 17 years for you? I mean, obviously you've covered Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, but is there some guy, some guy that we don't know that was your favorite guy to cover? <clears throat> well, my favorite guy to cover is a guy I think everybody knows, and that's uh, Lance Berkman. Just because he was, uh, he first of all, he's a great player, you know, fun to watch. He was in his prime. Also very smart, very smart player, uh, accessible player, always at his locker. Um, funny, funny, self-depreciating, 
everything you could want in a player. You could, you could ask him anything. And uh, I'll give you a quick Lance Berkman story that no other player has done this before. After in spring training in 05 or 06, he was dealing with a knee injury. Um, and so I'm in the clubhouse at 8 a.m. in Kissimmee, and I'm asking about his knee. And he says, man, my knee feels really good and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So a couple hours later, I'm in the press box getting ready for the game. And uh, my cell phone rings. This is like 30 minutes before the game. It's Lance Berkman. I'm like, hello? He's like, hey, uh, remember when I told you my knee felt good? He's like, well, it doesn't feel good anymore. I'm going to go to the doctor today to get an MRI. He's like, I just wanted to make sure you had the right information. Wow. So, uh, wow. That's a consummate pro right there. Jeez. Many, yeah, that's that doesn't happen. I have so many Lance Berkman stories. That's one that just, uh, you know, sticks out to me. But uh, there's been so many players that have been fun to cover. You mean Bagwell and Biggio, consummate pros. Um, great to cover, um, you know, on down the line, a lot of the players now, I mean, Altuve got a lot of respect for him. I remember the first day he walked in the clubhouse, uh, this little guy with his grin, um, you know, McCullers has been fun. Correa, uh, Bregman's one of my all time favorites to cover, you know, just so many. It's, uh, we are all witnesses. We are all witnesses. We're all witnesses. <laughs> Did, uh, with, with Lance Berkman, is it, so I've heard, um, a few things is, does he really not cuss? Have you ever heard him cuss? I have not. Do you remember? Us. He says, good grief. Uh, golly, I've not heard him cuss at any point. Yeah. So my, my roommate uh, does part-time coaching. He coaches with Allen Baseball. And over the last couple of weeks, Lance Berkman has come into their facility to run a couple hitting camps and, and do different things. And my roommate, Sam, has talked to him a little bit. And he said, yeah, one of the things Lance Berkman told him is throughout his playing career, he didn't cuss. That's crazy to me because baseball is baseball is the most frustrating game in the world. And if you're not dropping an F bomb when you when you go down looking O2, then then what are you saying? You know, he's so saying that's, good grief. That's what he's, that's, he's like. Gosh, darn it. Gosh, dang gosh, it. it. Yeah, that, that, that is not. <laughs> wow. That is true. That's that was that's, Lance. That's, that's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. And as, as we wrap up, Brian, I got to ask you, how was it to watch your Cougs make it all the way to the final four? First time since uh, five slam a jamma. How, how was uh, how was that as a proud Cougar alum? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, I've had season tickets for a long time and I actually opted out this year just because uh, I didn't know how many we'd make. And then, you know, usually I go to spring training and I miss half the year. So I was like, well, of course, the year they go to the final four, I don't go to any games. But uh, I was able to watch a few of them uh, from the TV while I was at spring training. And then when they made the final four, you know, I, I called my boss. I'm like, I got to go to Indianapolis. You got to get someone to cover the Astros for me. And he was like, cool, go. And so I was able to fly to Indy and, and watch the uh, the semifinal game. And uh, like I was telling you guys earlier, you know, they got destroyed off the bat and, you know, I, you know, I was kind of okay with it. I mean, you know, I'm glad they got there and it, I never thought they would get to another final four. And um, I think they're going to be back too. I mean, I, I think Samson's built this program now to where they're rolling and they're a juggernaut. So um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of surreal to be there. And um uh, in, in the midst of, you know, this big stadium, there, there weren't many people there because of the social distancing that kind of sucked, but um, it still was very enjoyable, even though they were losing by 25 points at halftime. So Yeah. I, I really thought, you know, obviously they ran <clears throat> into a, a bandsaw of Baylor and it was just Baylor's year, but I really thought they were going to have a chance because the way they, they grabbed offensive rebounds, I'd never seen anything like it. Not never seen anything like it, yeah. but they couldn't, they couldn't score against Baylor. They could not make a three. They couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat in that first half. No, but and I, I felt a lot better about it two days later when Gonzaga pretty much suffered the same fate. Oh, yeah. Uh, at least U of yeah. H actually led 
Baylor at one point. I don't think Gonzaga ever did. So yeah, I, I think the cool thing and being a fan of just March Madness was, you know, a few years back when U of H made that first run and they were kind of the underdog, you know, everyone, the lovable underdog. And this year they were the top dog. So everyone was coming after them. So I was like, how are they going to handle this? And then we saw it with Rutgers. We saw it down the line all the way to Baylor. I was like, wow, that adjustment in the, of that program that Simpson built has been from underdog to being the top dog and handling that success because we've seen it time and time again, those teams that are that lovable underdog and make that March Madness run. And then a few years down the road where they're a top seed, they can't handle that pressure. But they ab- absolutely, Samson taught those boys how to handle it. And it, it, it's almost like you said, that program he's built and it's going to be built to succeed and last. I'm, I'm super excited to see the future of, of the Kings basketball. Yeah, it was dead for 30 years. I mean, I, I was growing up and I was 11, 12, 13, 14. They were going to the final four every year. And I thought that was life. Like, okay, it's March, Cougars in the final four. And then when they weren't making it, I was like, what's wrong? And then they didn't win a tournament game for 32 years. So that was a slap in the for reality. But so yeah, to take with, with the way that program was 10 years ago to what he's done now, I mean, it's just, he's done an unbelievable, unbelievable coach, unbelievable job. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the best thing about what U of H did on that March Madness run is they brought <clears throat> some sports happiness back to the city of Houston. Because if you look back in February and March, the Texans were a disaster. Um, the Astros hadn't started yet. Uh, the Rockets obviously were going through losing James Harden and not playing very well. I think they're on like a 20-game losing streak at that point. And then here come, you know, not really talked about University of Houston Cougars, and they make this miraculous run in their uh, obviously it ended against Baylor, but man, it, it brought some sports happiness. And I love the buzz around the city. I was screaming at my, at my TV, watching them at, like I'm a, a Cougar alum. So it was uh, great. I'm sure it was a, a joy for, for you to see, and especially being there at the final four, but that was, yeah. that was pretty damn fun. Well, we got a big bandwagon. So come on. We come um, hey, I'll jump on my, uh, my <laughs> Lobos. We're a small division three, so we don't, we don't make, make the big time TV stuff, but, uh, I'll jump on the bandwagon. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, Brian, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, just thank just, you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, just you know, I, I know I randomly will ask you for advice here and there. And as an aspiring journalist myself, I really appreciate you. Uh, you know, sending good words and and again, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, just reach out anytime. I uh, appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah, Des, you got anything before we get off? No, Brian. Just thanks again, man. Thank you for always supporting Apollo and um, love the Cry Kids shirt. And whenever you need something from uh, from us, let us know. We, we'll get yeah. you hooked up. Yeah, thanks for the shirt. I wore it a couple of days ago out and about. So I love that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. That's Brian McTaggart of MLB.com. Follow him at Brian McTaggart. That's going to do it for segment two. Stick around. We'll be back with segment three here on Beyond the Diamond Podcast on the Apollo Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. Segment three of Beyond the Diamond podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Brian LaLima, Apollo Dez. Follow us on Twitter at BLima790, at Apollo Dez1, and of course, all of our social medias at Apollo HOU, Twitter, uh, YouTube, 
twitch.tv backslash Apollo H-O-U. Also on Facebook, Apollo Media. Check us out. Uh, we just got done, Des, with uh, visiting with our, our friend Brian McTaggart of MLB.com. You can find him on Twitter, at Brian McTaggart, covering the Astros on the beat. Local guy, born and raised here in Houston, University of Houston alum. Uh, man, what an interview. What a, what, a, what a phenomenal guy Brian McTaggart is. Um, really appreciate him spending some time uh, basically talking more than just Astros. We talked about Cry Kid Summer. We talked about his Cougs making it to the Final Four. We talked about some of the crazies that he got on uh, that, that came at him after the cheating scandal on, on Twitter. So just really appreciate Brian McTaggart hanging out with us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I can't thank, I think, Tags uh, enough for coming on and spending time. He gave us a hard stop for 15 minutes and, and we got 30 out of them. Uh, we were just hanging out, guys being dudes. And uh, just to hear his story, hear about the the locker room when he first came onto the scene on the beat in 04 you know, with, with Clemens and Pettit and Oswalt and Lidge and Dotel and all those Bagwell and, and, and Berkman. Lance Berkman, and yeah. Lance Berkman, yeah. And then the acquisition of, of you know, Carlos Beltran, who we don't even talk about anymore because he is a snake. But, um, and then into 05, the World Series years, and then, you know, they try to hold it together, the new management, the lean years, the, to break it all down in the Luna era, and then building it all up to where we are today as being a perennial powerhouse and he covered it all and and not only that just the the we talked about the advanced analytics being introduced and you know even he said he was like i had to understand that myself and it was just a great conversation with him uh to talk baseball life sports and uh just who he who he enjoyed to cover it throughout these years and i think we could have talked with him for hours and yeah we could have we could have i i just can't thank tax enough for for spending the time with us yeah, easy flowing. Uh, I mean, I looked down and I saw that we were coming up on 28 minutes with him and we told him 15 and it was just, we were cruising right along. So we could have talked, uh, we could have talked sports and life with him for, for another hour or so. But uh, again, very appreciative of uh, Brian McTaggart of MLB.com hanging out with us. Uh, so Des, we look, we look forward to the Astros taking on the Arlington Rangers once again. They just played the Rangers. They swept them. Uh, they go to Arlington from Oakland. And you've got Tyler Ivey, Lance McCullers Jr., and Christian Javier. That's the pitching rota- pitching rotation for the Astros. Just we've got a couple minutes here on this last segment. Um, man, do you see another sweep happening? Look, I, I'm bad at calling sweeps, and I, I refuse yeah, for the rest of the year. Very to, true to call sweeps. Uh, that's not that's your area. That's not my area. I'm gonna say they're gonna win the series. That's what I'm gonna lean on. Um, I will be disappointed though if we do not sweep. Um, with with Ivy McCullers and Javier on on the bump. Yes, Ivy first major league start. A uh, and M kid to Grayson Community College to the show. Now he's an is a home game for him. He talked about it before about growing up as a Ranger fan. So his family's gonna be there. It's gonna be a homecoming game. Uh, I I'm pumped for the guy. Uh, honestly, yeah. he's big fan of Apollo. We we talked to him a lot. Uh, I think we're going to get him here on Beyond the Diamond soon to talk about this start. And uh, it's it's crazy um, to see to see his growth as a pitcher, as a human, and then to believe in us as a whole at Apollo. And uh, I'm just happy for the kid, and I hope he shoves. Yeah, I, I really, man, I, I'm really excited to see him finally get his opportunity. Um, 6'4", 195, tall kid, got good stuff. Um, 
throwing against the Arlington Rangers, 7.05 first pitch. Um, it could be one of those outings, man, where he just goes out and absolutely dominates, just shoves, you know, has one of those special nights. Uh, you know, I hate to sound like uh, a TV guy here, um, a local TV guy here, but it's going to be a special night for him with his fans and with his family in the stands. Tyler, how do you feel that your fan, so, your family's in the stands for your first major league start? Are you cracking open a bottle of wine right yeah, now? We're, we're just vibing tonight. That's it, dude. That's we're just it. Vibing. Look at that. Is that a, what is that? Was that a little red wine? A little, a little cab. Just a little cab. Okay. Yeah, a little cabby. Cabernet. A little Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I think the, uh, I think the Astros are going to win the series. I'm not going to call for a sweep. I say two out of three. Only question mark for me is, uh, is, is Ivy. I mean, it's for first sure. start. Could go. I think it's it's feast or famine. It's an absolute dominant performance, or it's something not so good. I don't know. I don't see middle of the road, but I, I, I look forward to seeing what Lance McCullers brings against the Rangers. He was dominant his last outing. Then Christian Javier has pitched pretty well. He got roughed up a little bit his last outing, but um, I think he'll take fall it, right back in. Six yeah. innings, three three earned runs, eight Ks. You, you take yeah. that any day of the week. Oh, for sure. And I I yeah. just keep I just keep thinking back. Brian, I know we're not we're trying to keep this segment short, but when we talk with Scrub and just the the leadership from the veterans, I just I just lean on that and I hear Scrub talking about that. And I just can I can only imagine that Tyler Ivey's gonna be able to to lean on um uh, Lance McCullers. He's gonna be able to lean on Zach Rinke. He's gonna believe be able to lean on and Stromy and Ryan Presley and all these guys for this moment. Because no matter how you cut it. Uh, there's going to be nerves. There's going to be butterflies for your oh, yeah. first major league start. You're and up in the show, kid. Yeah, a hundred percent capacity. A, a oh, rivalry yeah. game. It's it's gonna his his team that he cheered for as a child, and his family's in the stands. So obviously he's gonna be amped up. I, I and he's got this. He's he's a tall, linky kid, quirky little wind up that really deceives batters. I hated those bat. I hated those pitchers. Because it, it was just like a lot of movement going on. I'm like, dude, just throw the fucking ball. But right. it was just part of what they did. And so, I, I mean, what? If we get five innings out of them, that's that's a win, right? Yeah, and and the Rangers aren't playing very well as yeah. of late. Just got no they, hit. Uh, yeah, they got no hit, and then they got shut out again uh, against the Yankees. So, man, that lineup's not doing too much. So, perfect opportunity for for Tyler Ivey. So, I look forward to seeing him. I, look, I really do. look forward to... Uh, Seeing Lance McCullers, obviously Christian Javier, and then um, looking early into the next week, they have uh, the Astros have Monday off, and then they welcome the Dodgers to town Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the San Diego Padres, followed by the Red Sox. But we'll talk more about those series coming up uh, in the next few episodes of Beyond the Diamond podcast. So Astros traveling to Arlington, a three-game set. I fully believe that they will take two out of three and win another series. yeah, I wish I could. Man, I would call for a sweep, but I'm gonna go two out of three. So, uh, so am I. Yeah, Ty- Tyler Ivy, you got the pill, son, for uh, for Friday night. Go out and shove. I mean, at the end of the day, just just go out there and and do what you do, right? It's yeah, it's like almost being the backup quarterback, right? Like you're the fans are excited that you're in the game, and if you throw two interceptions, but you also throw for 200 yards, we're still gonna focus on the 200 yards and not the two picks. So let's go out there and fucking shove. I mean, have a good time. If if someone if someone gets you for one or two and and mimic make park, you know, it, it's it is what it is. Hopefully it's a solo bomb or, you know, a two run shot where you limit damage. 
and give your offense a chance because this offense we talked about it for a long time on segment one they're 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 putting up runs they're putting up a ton of hits so just give your team a chance to win at the game like just hang around the rim and give them a chance to to come back and win this game and so just go out there and have a lot of success tyler and uh shove a little bit yeah keep your you know keep your team in it give your give your guys uh a chance to win because with this lineup man they're, they're it's it's been pretty easy to put up five, six, seven, eight runs as of late. So keep your guys in it. Don't walk a lot and uh, just throw a couple, you know, five, six quality innings and you should uh, get yourself a, a W. So, man, that's going to do it. What a what a what a episode of, of Beyond the Diamond. Thank you to Brian McTaggart. Dez, you got anything um, before we get out of here? No, just uh, thanks. Thankful for tags uh, tagging along with us and, and, and spending some time with us and hanging out with those freaking doofuses. And uh, just looking forward to keep going. I know we have Ben Verlander lined up for interviews. Hopefully, we're going to have Tyler Ivey as well. Um, and just keep providing content for you guys in, in, a, in a manner in this marketplace to uh, be different than everyone else. So appreciate all the support. You guys listening over an hour now. Uh, just love you guys. Yeah, we've got some uh, big things planned for uh, Beyond the Diamond podcast. That's going to do it for another edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. The Astros taking on the Arlington Rangers in a three-game set. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Ivy McCullers Jr., Christian Javier against the Rangers. That's going to do it. Thank you for listening. We, we love you guys. We appreciate the support. Continue to hang with us. We'll pump out the content. Follow us on Twitter at BLima790, at ApolloDez1, at ApolloHOU, and then again on YouTube twitch.tv backslash Apollo H-O-U and check us out on Facebook. Again, we love you guys. Thank you for the support. That's going to do it for Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network.